0: Today's show comes from June 25th, 2013. First segment today, Derek Riches. Derek Riches is in catching up with Greg on Lighterfoot. If you don't know Derek Riches, you need to. I learned more from that guy probably than anyone on the planet. Second segment today, something totally different. I do not know if you recall, a few weeks ago, one of these best moment shows was Teddy Reader talking a little Paula Dean. Well, Greg in fantastic barbecue central show fashion took this whole thing a step further. He has on in the second segment, Dr. Akil Houston, the Assistant Professor of Cultural and Media Studies in the Department of African American Studies at Ohio University. Dr. Houston and Greg sit down and talk about the N-word. Let's get right to it. Here is Greg and Derek Riches from June 2013.
1: Uh, to close out the segment, Derek, you just posted an article this morning kind of, uh, I don't want to say defending uh, lighter fluid to a certain degree, but you know, you kind of brought us full genesis of when there was this big staunch, let's get everybody away from it, and these are bad, and they're transferring taste and, and ickiness to your food while it's cooking to, you know, that just seemed to kind of fail. Pretty much is you know what the article was saying for for as big of a push as we were trying to get people away, it really didn't fluctuate too much, did it?
2: Yeah, that was kind of what was surprising uh, when I started really looking into this. Was you know I have always said, look, you know, get an electric starter, use a chimney, do do something like this. Don't use lighter fluid. Yeah. Don't use lighter fluid. And that you know, you know, other than the Myron Mixon, I really am actually perplexed to think of someone out there. Who says it's okay to use lighter fluid? Uh, everyone says no. Uh, you know and that's it you know even that I've been to events that have been sponsored by Kingsford and they use charcoal chimneys to light their charcoal, right? Uh, but they're the largest seller of lighter fluid. So you know the EPA, all of the different environmental groups, uh, you know the American Cancer Research Institute, all the health groups, they've all said don't use lighter fluid. And what we find out is that more than 50% of Americans are still using it, and nearly 20% are using self-lighting charcoal. I,
1: I, I don't know if you have access to it or, or if it's readily available, but is there any type of a, a focus group saying, hey, 50% of people, after we've told you all this stuff and you're still using it, is it just because inherently we are in our routines, and this is what we grew up with, and this is what my dad did, so this is how I'm going to oh. use it? Is it lazy American inconvenience? Uh, how how do you how do you make heads or tails of that
2: you know um, I've actually been working on this project for about four weeks now and I I went out and tried to find people that um, you know I just kind of casually know who are buying who buy lighter fluid who use lighter fluid and they, they have no idea they really you know they don't buy barbecue cookbooks they don't watch programs they don't look at stuff on the internet they're completely insulated from, you know, our community, which has talked this out for years and years and years, and they've just never heard the argument. And, you know, I don't know, you know, how much more can you do? How much more can you get out there and say, hey, you know, let's kind of change the way we're doing things. Um, it just doesn't seem to be working.
1: Yeah. I I didn't know if it was one of those things where you look, people know that smoking is bad for you. And look, I mean, not definitely not the same thing. I mean, you're addicted to to nicotine, blah, 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 but people know that it's bad for you, but people will start smoking every day of the week and twice on Sunday. And it leads to a terrible habit. People will use lighter fluid, even though there's all these reports out there saying that it's possibly bad for you and they'll continue to use it anyway. Now, at the end of the article, you did make uh, some good points about, well, if you're going to use it, there's better alternatives that we could possibly be putting into production to at least make it a little bit safer.
2: Yeah, and that's, if we can't can't convince people to to give up on this, there actually are products on the market which are biofuel-based lighter fluids. And, you know, um, I I picked up several of them. The basic recipe is uh, plant-based oil. With alcohol, um, some uh, there's one product that's actually made from biodiesel, which means it's made from uh, you know waste oils from you know the restaurant industry. Uh, some of it's made from uh, you know kind of waste oils in the production of other oils, but they're all natural. Um, they burn much cleaner, uh, and you can't smell them. That's kind of what I thought was interesting. You know, I've actually been out there. Uh, lighting my charcoal with lighter fluid, uh, which just seemed really strange to me to be doing. Um, But it's effective. It's convenient. It's quick. I cannot smell it. More importantly, my wife can't smell it. Um, (laughs) And I can't taste anything. Uh, One of them, I actually, I think I could slightly smell from the actual lighter fluid itself, smelling the bottle, a slight hint of peanuts. But it was made with peanut oil. And uh, butanol are a natural grain-based alcohol, and that's all that was in it. Um, these things you could drink them; uh, it wouldn't be good, but it won't kill you. If you look at the warnings on petroleum-based lighter fluids, uh, they're horrifying. It you know, lay on your left side. Do not induce vomiting. Rush to emergency room. You know, these are chemical solvents used by the industry to clean machinery. And we're using
1: them as lighter fluid. You've covered the industry for so long now. Do you think that, you know, these safer lighter fluid possibilities are something that would take hold? Or is this, you know, one of those things where you say, hey, uh, why are you using Kingsford when you have all these better other options out there? Uh, is this another thing where Clorox has control of lighter fluid, just like they have control of the charcoal and, and the masses just don't know any better and it might not take hold?
2: I think it's gonna to have to you know there's gonna to have to be some changes to, to get this to work but you and I'm not really sure how the best way to go about it um, what we know is is that self-lighting charcoal and and lighter fluids create a lot of pollution so you know before barbecue gets attacked again by regulators I think it's a good idea to at least have the discussion of saying hey we could switch to something a lot cleaner and it wouldn't be that difficult I mean Clorox Corporation is buying a petroleum distillate solvent to use as their lighter fluid from a company. I think that they could source it somewhere else. I think they could source a biofuel alternative if they wanted to.
1: Yeah, that, that would almost kind of endear them to uh, the public in a way. Hey, we realize, A, and now we're going to go in this direction that's going to be safer for everybody, potentially.
2: Yeah, I mean... I don't know what it's going to take. You know, I mean, if people are using lighter fluid and they want to use it, then you know, talk to your local stores. Put it on. You know, a lot of them can maintain lists of you know suggested products to carry. So maybe we can get it into more stores. Maybe we can get more stuff out there. Um, but um, you know, I think it is a viable solution, and uh, you know, the price difference is really not all that great. So it, there really isn't anything hindering it.
1: Uh, No reviews tonight except for a class and then some great talk on uh, lighter fluid. Uh, You can find him at bbq.about.com. We're talking with Derek Riches. Derek, always appreciate the time, and uh, we'll look for you again next month. Yeah, it's good to talk to you, Greg. You too. There he is, Derek Riches.
0: To put in your request for a future show, please contact John Solberg via email at john j o n at thebbqcentralshow.com. I love lighter fluid conversations. Absolutely no pun intended, but there is probably nothing that will get people more fired up than talking about lighter fluid. Love it. Hey, if you do want to find Derek Riches, head over to derekriches.com for all his latest and greatest. It is definitely worth a look. Before we get to Dr. Houston and Greg's conversation on the N word, are you following the Barbecue Central show on social media? Very easy to do and very, very much appreciated. It is at BBQ Central Show on Instagram and Twitter, and slash BBQ Central Show on Facebook. Please make sure you are following on whatever social media platform you're on. All right, here we go. Here's Greg and Doctor Houston from June 25th, 2013. Let's go
1: ahead and welcome into the show first timer, Doctor Akili Houston. Doctor Akil Houston. How are you tonight, buddy?
3: I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah,
1: absolutely. My pleasure, uh, Doctor. And I appreciate you making time for the show tonight. So, you know, probably not as much time as I would love to get into this super deep uh, but let's see what we can accomplish here in the next few minutes, and uh, I'm going to have you maybe give me your thoughts on a bunch of different items that came up on sure. a Facebook conversation that I was having with people. And maybe you can tell me what's right or, or what's wrong, or you know what the I don't want to say what the right way to think is. But get it in proper perspective. So, if you could, let's kind of go all the way back. If you could give us a little background you know, about the word itself. Where did the N-word originate, and how has it become one of the most infamous taboo words in history?
3: Okay, sure. So if we go back in history, its origin is Spanish and Portuguese, and for those who are in the business of selling human beings, they couldn't pronounce the word, which is negro. Um, So it came to be uh, the N-word, which we commonly know it as, and it actually didn't take on a derogatory form until... Um, late 1800s, early 1900s, Um, but it was a way to describe um, people with dark skin, um, such as Moorish. Uh, There were other terms, and it's been spelled differently. Um, And then when it took a derogatory turn, uh, particularly in the United States, uh, it kind of has led us to where we are now. So that's short, condensed version of the history of the word.
1: If, there, if it wasn't, I guess, originally negative, wh- where did that deciding turn go from not being such a derogatory term to being what it is today?
3: Well, during the Middle Passages, Mahsa or slave trade, as we know it, that's when it began to take on a negative turn. Uh, at some point in time, people used to use the word to just describe people with dark skin, and as uh, people with dark skin begin to be looked at as inferior, less than human, uh, that's when the word began to take on its uh, derogatory, pejorative uh, context as we know it has today. Uh, so that's around the time that the shift began to happen.
1: All right, so uh, we're talking with uh, Dr. Keel Houston from Ohio University. Uh, there's this notion, and these are things coming off my Facebook now, so let's uh, kind of address these one by one. There seems to be a notion that so much time has passed since slavery, civil rights, uh, today's citizens has, uh, you know, never owned any slaves or, or for the most part not known anyone who really has, that racism exists today only because uh, people who wish to keep it in the forefront, you know, news outlets uh, to break things uh, to the general public. And if we could remove these stations, everything would be A-OK, like uh, we never heard that word anymore. Things would be just fine
3: otherwise. Well, I mean, that's a popular idea, but I think people forget that there are institutional and cyclical forces that exist as a result of gender race and other forms of discrimination that have been with us for a very long time. So for us to kind of just get rid of the word doesn't necessarily get rid of the issues that exist. I mean, if you think about what's happening with the Supreme court, uh, the well-publicized Trayvon Martin case, uh, the nation's ongoing conversation on immigration reform. So we're, we're constantly seeing, um, issues of race, of gender, and even sexual orientation discrimination continually pop up. So, it would be nice if we could just pretend that these things didn't happen, but unfortunately the reality continues to smack us in the face. Uh, so I think rather than just wish these terms away, uh, it would be a good idea to kind of deal with them um, at their root, and then they would then go away with time. But uh, simply wish them away, won't, won't do the justice.
1: Alright, so if I could bring it full cycle, uh, for just a second, we're talking with Akil Houston uh, from Ohio University. Do you feel that Given everything that's happened to, to Adina, you know there's still things coming down as I was getting ready to, to get on the show tonight. Do you think she's been unfairly punished for the remarks that she made you know, years ago in a deposition while she was being sued? Is this part and parcel of, of the side that we live in today where if you said it five years ago or ten years ago, you're going to pay for it if it comes out?
3: Uh, you know, it, it's interesting because it, as I read the documents, it seemed that it was her brother who was largely at fault. And her crime, um, more contemporary, is that she didn't do enough to sort of reprimand him. So, I mean, the court of public opinion is often reactionary. And so I don't know that demonizing Paula Deen is going to change the way a lot of people think and feel as it relates to the use of the word. I think what Food Network and others who have gotten rid of her probably could have done is kept her on and sort of used her as a way to sort of bridge the divide. Um, But getting rid of her is probably the easiest most convenient way because then she can become the scapegoat and it will move on until the next person crops up and then repeat the process so I think it's really about getting at the root of the issue not necessarily just pinpointing one or two people who may be the the it moment sort of focus
1: is it uh, I always hate to be the the guy with the with the devil's side here but you know if you keep Paula Dean and you're trying to you know use her as an advocate as you say, doesn't it almost come across as a tad wishy-washy or I, I don't well, I mean, disingenuous. It,
3: it, it seems ingenuous to um, every couple seconds point the finger at the bad guy. I mean, a few years back, it was, uh, I think it was Michael Ray Richardson and it was uh, Don Inas, And so now it's Paula Dean. But the thing that I always think about is it's a culture that breeds this. So it's like, you know, if you're weeding your garden, You're not going to just go grab one weed up. You're going to do something to get at the root and deal with all the weeds. That way they don't keep coming back. Um, But the way that we societally address these issues is if we demonize this one person and make them sort of the the bearer of all things bad, then we can all feel good because we did the right thing by getting rid of her instead of saying, you know what, this is an opportunity for us to deal with this issue and, and really make an honest commitment to addressing some of these issues that we face uh, in our society uh,
1: dr. Houston any theories on how we can kind of stop the the racism deal
3: well it, it would take a, a lot of work um, and I don't <laughs> I hope that we are I definitely um, am obviously biased I'm an educator so I think education would be a critical step uh, but it would take a lot of uh, work. Uh there was a study done not long ago um <clears throat> at uh I want to say Princeton University uh where Robert Putnam looked at how diversity can empower not just a particular group but the whole society. But I think it's got to be something that's uh taught in schools. You know, you gotta look at uh the contributions of Latino Americans not just in the time of Cinco de Mayo but you know all year round. The same with other ethnic groups. Uh so we have to have a better understanding of Italian immigrants and Polish immigrants of African immigrants in the context of the totality of the United States, not just during the select month that they may be assigned. So I think, you know, educating people and making it not something that we tolerate, but something that's just part of our practice. I think that's the first step.
1: All right, here's my thought on how we get rid of it. And a lot of people will hate it because a lot of people are going to die in the process. But I figured we got to take everybody from, you know, the very old until about three, well, five, Mm, four years old, and we got to just got to get rid of them, and we got to start anew. Because I just don't think it's ever going to go away.
3: you're, you're, you know, it. it <laughs> I know it's a little it, harsh. It sounds pessimistic, but uh, I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of people feel that way. that it's just impossible. Uh, the way that we see the world, uh, and the way that we look at diversity as you know a bad thing. You know, it it may be drastic as that, um, but I, I remain uh, cautiously optimistic that. Um, not just education and talking about it, but living our sort of uh, politics.
1: And because you're a bobcat, damn it! We know what that's all about. Uh, Dr. Akil Houston oh, yeah. is the assistant professor of cultural and media studies in the Department of mm-hmm. African American Studies at Ohio University. Doc, so much for thanks for so much for coming on tonight. I really appreciate it.
3: Thanks for having me. Enjoy the show.
1: You got it. Thanks so much, Dr. Akil Houston.
0: And there are a few of the best moments from June 25th, 2013. There is a lot more best moments in the June 25th show. Head on over to thebbqcentralshow.com. Hit the best moments archive page. Go to the show notes. If you'd like to hear this complete episode, there will be a link right there for you. While you're over at thebbqcentralshow.com, keep in mind there's a great search feature. And obviously based on this, I type something in there. I challenge you, type something in there and see what returns. Kind of like playing with your Siri when you first get it. Anyway, hey, thank you so much for listening. Until next time on the Best Moments of the Barbecue Central Show in 10 minutes or less, I am your host, John Solberg, and I look forward to talking to you again soon.